welcome to this episode of Pain Removed, Performance Improved. And I am absolutely delighted to have my very dear friend, my colleague, my, I can't tell you, Karen is is something of a muse in my life because she is so amusing and she cracks me up when things get really, really tricky and when the anatomy gets too intense. Karen is one of those lovely people that you can sit down and talk to and work out what precedes that, what proceeds that and how we make sense of something and then how we make it work in our lives, whether we're practitioners, therapists, movement manual practitioners, or people with an absolute fascination for how the body works. Karen Kirkness, I love you. Talk to me. How are you? Well, the feeling is clearly mutual. I, it's going to be a mutual appreciation society, I think, here. Uh, Joanne, you know, you are on both sides of the the paradigm with your skill and experience as a therapist and your experience and training insight and your love for movement. So you're both a therapist and a movement goddess. So you are you have feet in both of those camps. Whereas my training is through movement and you know anatomy academically. So mm-hmm. having you know those those strings to your to your bow, I've really watched and learned through first through reading your book, Yoga Fascia and Anatomy um, and Movement. Will this we, will the, go, um, go. go yes. <laughs> you're gonna have to put up with this listeners because we just oh, giggle we do get the giggles it's just delightful I love you Karen like let me let me mm-hmm. let me just hook this because I just want to be clear with people Karen is a clinical anatomist and there's a huge difference between Karen being a clinical anatomist and me being a dissector who has had the great privilege of working in different forms of dissection working with Karen working with our beloved colleague John Sharkey and from clinical anatomy there is a very profound academic background I just want everybody to be really clear in clinical anatomy you don't get to decide that you want to explore the fascia in clinical anatomy you have to learn every single thing in the human body and you have to learn every system by default because otherwise you can't make sense of the anatomy so the scope of your academic knowledge is way 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 beyond mine what I love however is that you have brought that into anatomy art so talk to us a little bit about the way you paint bodies so that people can really get this sense of seeing what we get the privilege of seeing in the laboratory. I I just consider my access to it to be a privilege over these last 20 years. It's just incredible. But you you had to learn it. Yeah. Access to cadaveric specimens and, and, and the, the professors and teachers around the world that I've had the privilege to work with. I mean, it's just, it's all been, it's a privilege. And, and, and you're one of the people that took the time to dedicatedly study everything and then seek to present it to people so that movement and manual therapists can understand it visually. And you, you paint bodies, is that right? You use body paint to actually 
show where muscular integration and forms are under the skin. Can you talk to us about how that helps people learn yoga, for example, or any movement? Oh, uh, well, I would love to talk about that, Joe. It's, as you know, it's a passion project for me. And when I came to my master's work in human anatomy at uh, Edinburgh University Biomedical Sciences, I was 35 when I joined that course or 34, maybe. Anyway, I was, uh, you know, over the hill for sure when, when it comes to um, the people who are coming to the study of anatomy for medical training, you know, I was in and amongst people in their twenties. So I was, I was old coming to the study of the body in that way. Compared, <laughs> You know, my cohort were all youngsters and, and I, I, I really, really struggled because there's a hidden curriculum and this is, you know, a, there's a body of work around the hidden curriculum in um, the literature in medical education. The hidden curriculum is like the shadow curriculum, the one that's embedded and implied, but not explicitly stated. Nonetheless, it's it, it's as important, if not more so, than the explicitly stated curriculum. So it's everything that everyone already knows when they come into the, the uh, medical education establishment as a student, you, you get all of that through medical school. But I had had none of that. I was coming to this this study as a as a movement professional, as a self employed person. Uh, I certainly didn't have a medical background. I had a background in art, so my hidden curriculum was a completely different ball of wax, shall we say? So I understood things differently. My approach to understanding anything is always rooted in experience. I have to take things apart, put them back together, take them apart again, build and rebuild, take it apart and and feel it, get right inside it, make it, make models of it, draw, talk about it. You know, their didactic learning just doesn't work work for me. And and what I've learned over the years is that it actually very rarely works for anyone. It works for a, a small number of people who have a history of it, who have a lot of practice in that method, but but even even these people who are um, who who are raised up and grow up in the didactic um, pedagogy, that everyone, if you're a human, you're going to benefit from kinesthetic learning. And the the body painting came to me through my master's degree. We had the, uh, a, the opportunity to work with the amazing Dr. Gabrielle Finn, professor, in fact, Professor Gabrielle Finn. She contributed to our master's course and brought the body painting technique to us. And she has developed that through her research and has published extensively on the applications of body painting in a medical education. And so from her, we learned this technique and the day I can remember the day she came to contribute, you know, it was medical focus, medically focused anatomy, body painting is different. You're looking at, at things like the dermatomes and the brachial plexus and some of the superficial musculoskeletal anatomy as well. Uh, but it's, it, for me, as we all, we broke down into small groups and got, got to the body painting, the, the medical students were really no one was taking their shirt off. Let's put it that way. People are like maybe rolling up a sleeve or exposing the, the um, triangle of the neck, but I, but there's a kind of people are reticent to 
get tops off if you, if you know, as they say in Scotland, you know, tops off. Uh, but I knew in my profession in yoga, we, we would be able to have more access to shoulders and, and um, upper back. And I could immediately visualize, I could see how much fun this was going to be to move that approach into the movement world and how people are more likely to get stuck into that and be more comfortable with, uh, with body painting using more and having more access to the actual body than, than you might do in your average group of medical students. <laughs> Well, I, I, I hear you and, uh, and I, I hear your, your, the pain you went through to break through into the empowering performance of people, because I know we've, I've seen on your website, uh, karenkirknest.com, there's gorgeous pictures and I've had feedback from people who've been in your class where you actually go one step further, which is one of the reasons I love you so much. You're such a brilliant teacher is that you have that skill of empowering others to do what you do and and get the um the results of the alchemy that you had to perform you know you had a choice you could have sat there thinking oh my god everybody's younger than me i'm i'm washed out here this is over my head i don't i don't know what the hidden curriculum is but it's definitely excluding me because it's usually a very exclusive to the group that have it it's their language and you're not in their clan so you know what you're outside and you didn't take any of that personally you dedicated yourself to the results and then you create classes where I've seen movies. I cannot wait to do this in person with you. It's just. Oh, we'll have so much fun. I just, okay. We'll have so much fun. But, you know, in a yoga class, we're all traditionally in a little tiny, tiny top and short shorts and, and you get everybody painting everybody else. And so the animation of the kinesthetic experience of how you perform a class how you feel the anatomy and then you of course speak it fluently because it's it's part of you and you've seen it I know that makes such a difference to you that you're you're even doing your PhD in anatomy pedagogy i.e teaching methods of anatomy so talk to me a little bit about how important it is to you to feel and experience the anatomy well, as you know, Joe, in, in your own world, that uh, building models and being the model of force vectors and of all the, the theory that we explore in an abstract way, that it, it really boils down to nothing un unless you can actually experience it and put it into practice and embody that, that theory. So uh, uh, making and developing methods for bringing that, uh, that, that theory and making it accessible for people, for everyone, it for me is the most exciting aspect to it is to actually make it livable and make it so that we can feel it and access it through our actions, through being and doing. And have you found it's improved your performance as a teacher? Oh, without a doubt. Oh, it was it's next level and next level again and levels I didn't know existed through not only working it out myself, you know, different models. I'm sitting here with my slinky, you know, you know, it's like a fidget yeah. spinner yeah. <laughs> where you fold the slinky in on itself and it makes a torus that you can just continuously roll through itself. Do you know, these little accessible techniques, body painting is another one. Uh, it, it allows you to feel that you have a right to it. And I think it goes back to that. Yes. You use this word privilege 
And that's a really important word nowadays, isn't it? It, yeah. it, it's that to have access to anatomical material, to cadaveric material, to the, the theory of anatomy and physiology, it's a privileged place. And people who don't go through academic training will often feel, even though they're deeply curious, very experienced and informed about the body, they'll, they're always, we will always feel a sense of maybe the imposter, the, the, the sense like, I don't have access. I don't have uh, a, a qualification. Therefore, I can't own this. I can't make it my own. I can't teach it with the level of credibility and depth. Um, but that is a, a tragic, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy because you just you just make your own um, lack of access, which is reinforced by that privilege thing. You know, we all we, we haven't had the privilege to access academic anatomy. So we, we don't really re we, we don't live in our power to own it. If that makes sense. It does. You, it's a very mm, careful path. Mm, I, I think it's a very careful path because there are also, you know, in America, for example, there are completely different rules about anatomical study and you can have access to cadaveric specimens. If you have the right hygiene in place, you don't need to be a clinical anatomist where people like yourself and John Sharkey are clinical anatomists. You're in a different league of understanding. And I think that somebody like me, who is a very dedicated dissector, and there's plenty of us around the world, we have to make that distinction and allow for the fact that we don't know what we don't know. And we know what we don't know in the sense that we don't know. I mean, I know an awful lot about fascia, an awful lot more than an awful lot of people and I have friends in the medical field who say they ask me about and I'm like hang on a second you're the one with the medical Mm -hmm. no you don't understand we didn't do very much dissection and you've done thousand times more dissection than I have that's that's very interesting and that's my experience but it's not couched in what I call the hallowed halls of anatomy training and academic knowledge because I have huge respect for what I don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So I get as nervous about what I call bumper sticker anatomy based on people using access, which is a privilege, as if it substitutes education. It doesn't. It does not. It augments education. So I use it to augment my education as a movement practitioner and a manual therapist and other things you know I I studied languages it augments my study of languages because I can understand the body's language more succinctly but I bow to you for the sheer energy because you've got a master's degree in anatomy art as well so I your your dedication to knowing what's behind everything as well as your power to translate it into performance is such a resource to everybody working with helping people move better and helping people feel better, you know, less pain, Mm. you feel better, you move better. And so you are also a very dedicated Ashtangi. I mean, you do everything properly. You know, you've got the archetype of the engineer written all over you, don't you? I used to, but now after second baby, you know, things are, things are a bit different, but it it was just to go back to this point, because I think we were harmonizing with, you know, two uh, on the same melody. You know, your mm. your point that the education and the degree, the qualification 
of course it's important. Otherwise I, I wouldn't have stayed up all night for, you, you know, for the couple of years to, to kind of, yeah, then, exactly. you know, it was a year, the master's degree in anatomy was a year and I was out of my depth and I studied all the time and not everybody does that. I stuck in, I got the degree. Yes. That, that matters. Uh, doctors stick in for how, you know, a decade or more of study, and then they have to continue with their, uh, to maintain their qualification in practice. But, and, and I'm yes, of course that matters. Uh, but what matters, it, you know, just as much, I think, is to recognize that education doesn't always have to be targeted toward the qualification. Yeah. I agree. Right. Yeah. And that the that education for the sake for the lifelong learner. And I do you know, to be honest, I probably would have I would have killed myself to learn all of that, whether or not I got the degree. Really, we learn because we're fascinated almost to a pathological level of wanting to know about how the body works, wanting that next level of understanding, not for the degree, Uh, you know, in, in, in this decade of my life, as I come into my forties and beyond, I'm going to continue absolutely smashing it, not for any degrees or qualifications, but because I can't stop myself. It's, you know, it's ridiculous. And I know you're the same. It is because of our passion for, the body as a self-healing instrument and how our movement can be therapeutic and how we can usher in the next generation of people who are, who have, are undertaking this work because of our interest in healing. And so I, I just wanted to kind of sing that with you. I, I'm with you. And it, and I, and I want to say what a privilege it was to work with you on spiral bound, your newly published book that took how long? Eight years? Six years? I like it was you were writing it since you were born. I mean, let's face it. But mm-hmm. the 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 process, I, I I had such a privilege. It is a privilege, Karen. I mean, your your dedication is is awe-inspiring. Oh. Um, and I and, and here's what I think about qualifications. You know I have an absolute thing about them. I think what they do is they tick a box and say, yes, you have that learning power. It's not about fame and fortune in five minutes because you announced this, you know, a given project or whatever. It that what that degree says is I stuck it out. I did what you did. I'm not saying I did. I mean, I did. I have a master's degree, and yes, of course, I worked forty, fifty hours a month on top of the four weeks of the month that I was working full time. That's what it takes. But for me, that that degree is a an acclamation, a claiming of that level of dedication, and and you have two of them. And you've also got such an extensive um, practice originally in Ashtanga. I know you've expanded beyond that now because your focus is so much on self-awareness and developing the subtle practices of yoga, Mm. which obviously is where, where I've been living for the last God knows how many years. And um, what I found in the book that was just so exciting was the way you came to translating your ability to create models and use the human body as the model. It's not an easy thing to do, Karen, and you achieved that with the book. So talk to me a little bit about it, because I, 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 it was just wonderful to work with you. 
Well, thank you, Joe. Uh, what I, it was uh, the process started with reading your book, and I think so many of us, anyone listening to this podcast, will have read your book. If you haven't, if you're listening to this, you have to, ab- you must absolutely read Joe's book, YFAM. It is it set us all up for the next for the new paradigm for that paradigm to shift and then concurrently as i was reading it i john um john sharkey he was having his biotensegrity dissection at dundee the uh the, the soft fix cadaveric specimen uh dissection and and that that whole year it was a year leading up to that where i was asking questions about structure and healing and and how how the depth of my practice that i had experienced to that that point deep postural yoga when i approached it through rotation i felt that even the the deep so called extreme movement felt to me like therapy mm. but when Absolutely. i approached it yeah from a when i wasn't mindful of the rotation and and I didn't I I didn't resonate with rotation. Then I, I I was hurting myself, and I could see it everywhere. When I was adjusting students, when I adjusted them by easing in by using compression and rotation to allow the joints to find their own space, I didn't adjust with that every single time. Then I well I never did. I never adjusted without that because I knew that that that's how you hurt yeah. someone. Yeah. And it was coming to appreciate that sense, the deep, the, the embodiment of it beyond words. I knew I had the feeling for it. I knew that it was true because I had felt it coming through. And then when, when I was reading your book, when I was reading a Graham Scar's book and looking at the work of, of Gambarto and the fibril, fibrillar structure, we don't learn about the dermis in anatomy. We just cut it off, you know, and you don't learn about the connectivity in in anatomy. We just, we, it goes straight in the bin. And that was the missing link that, that fibrillar structure, the, the flux, the uh, constant movement of tissue to harness that and to see where that could go. Um, You know, that, that was really the basis of the book. And then when we got our process going, it was trying to write in a way that was not, like a master's degree reporting of facts, you know, the yeah. very dry yeah. because it, and that's what it, it was. It was me parsing through the science that underlies what I was experiencing. I, I really wanted to get specific and make a contribution that could be considered academic or, or semi-academic that leaves a trail of breadcrumbs so that anyone who's curious and coming to this work could see where I was drawing from. And, and then you helped me through our relationship when we first when we first met, do you remember it was at that, um, it was at Dundee. Dundee, you were very pregnant. Yes, I was. I was uh, pregnant and and just knew when I'd met you that, that you were going to help me shape up this work so that it could be something that contributed to the movement field as well as to something that could be academic, that we together were going to find that to calibrate the language to get it right. And it's been nothing but a wild ride ever since. Well, I, I just, the thing is that you have a, you have several skills, you have multi-skill. Is there such a thing as multi-skillular? 
yeah. Karen, you embody it. But the thing is, your writing is so succinct and so disciplined and so in-depth that what you actually bring to the table is this fabulous ability to reference everything. But then I was reading your blogs, and some of the blogs are just so colloquial and warm and fun and so a different um, vernacular to the scientific. I'm and a cheese ball, really. That's, you know, what's a my cheese hand. ball? Cheese ball is like a clown. Well, anyhow, when you it was like, how can we get these two elements together so it reads like a blog, but it punches like a like a like a like a scientifically researched, like it's not Karen's idea. And I, I mean, I had the great another great privilege was working with Tom Myers for years when he very 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 first. I mean, I I proofread the first edition of Anatomy Trains. I, in fact, I cut my anatomy teeth on Anatomy Trains, and I absolutely know every minuscule dot of the anatomy trains as a metaphor tom myers is the first person to say it's a metaphor obviously there's no trains in the human body but what i always argued with tom about and struggled with from my experience of cadaveric um, dissection and from my experience as a movement teacher primarily and through my studies of consciousness was that that we argued about the spiral line and tom is great tom lets you argue with him I mean, he sets fire to your tail feathers, but it's like, that's the deal. That's how we rolled. And it was a fabulous training for me in raising my game to ask the next set of questions. And I actually think the work you've done in Spiral Bound of the five filaments is a match for anatomy trains. I I think it takes us beyond. And that's not to diminish anatomy trains. Anatomy trains as I've said many millions of times, Tom Myers cleared a clearing in a forest for all of us to stand and speculate in. And he made this tremendous contribution to the work of the practitioner understanding anatomy from a semi-academic point of view. Let's use that, like the professional knowledge they needed to back them up and move forward. And he cleared that clearing in the forest with a scythe. He, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. And I know I've worked with him for years. And it, it it's just stunning work that we all have to lean on. However, it doesn't come from the experience. There's one thing Tom used to say, he used to say, I wish I could be a woman. I wish I could give birth. He used to say it in class regularly. It was a throwaway line. I, I can never have that experience this lifetime of I'm paraphrasing, of what women have to go through. It's, you know, I I watch, I observe, I learn, I find out, but I I can't have that experience. And I remember remember one day when he said it in my training and I was on the table at the time with a colleague working on me. And I just said, why do you want to be able to do that? And he said, because then I could experience what I'm describing. And that was a clue. And I think your manuscript changed as much over the birth of your two little ones as it did taking the pathway from dissertation style to accessible style. And I think the keystone of that is the spirals. And what I've come to realise is that you are there are no lines in the human body. It doesn't matter how much we love it. And what we've inherited is linear 
And Tom has provided us with a real clearing in the forest with those linear continuities. He's brought continuity into the concept. Mm. And I think we're ready now to upgrade from continuity, which is a linear metaphor to get us to the continuity. But now you've brought in the spiral metaphor to get us to experience and brava. Wow. Um, by filaments. It's big, you know, the car, the it's karmically loaded, isn't it? It's karmically pregnant. It's huge (laughs) to, you know, taking that on with, you know, the, the anatomy trains. Wow. That taking on that model. I remember I, I was in Goa. I went to India before I was pregnant and was practicing with Lino Miela the great Ashtanga legend. And, and then also with David Garig, another, you know, legend and these guys, you know, strong practice, really dynamic and all of it. So deeply physical yeah, with, with the physicality of the practice is just, it's being in the fire, not just next to it. You're just mm-hmm. melting. Even. Yeah. Burn, burn, but wonderful. I loved it. And, but I had the anatomy trains book with me and every page was just, you know, it's a jaw dropper. If you haven't read, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the anatomy trains and a lot of yogis haven't, because why would you, you know, it's, it looks quite dry. It looks, it looks like another, you know, anatomy book that, that um, quite often yogis, we want a, 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 a more of a spiritual, more of a subtle approach. And some of the anatomy stuff can seem almost too far gone down the nuts and bolts aisle. But we, you know, Joe and I would both really assure you that this, the continuities of, we, we're starting to move from continuities to the continuum. And within that continuum, the volume of that continuum is animated by throupled motion, which is another one we made up, didn't we? In the, the course of up. writing Spiral Down. About well, no, you you really filled out my understanding, and I just maybe coined that that quip. But you know, it was you that really brought me through to a deep understanding of coupled motion, and that through the, for example, in the scapular humeral rhythm, when when the humerus starts to elevate past that thirty degrees, then it picks up the spirality of the of the scapula and the scapula then moves. And so does the clavicle. All of it is rotating together. And as mm-hmm. the rotations take place, they are describing a volume. And so we yeah. are at all times spiral vectors and, and these trajectories are in they're infinite, virtually infinite within the continuum. And that when, when it's at rest, we have this equilibrium state that it's almost, you know, it's mythical while we're alive, we're never really, you know, still, we might feel there are moments where we do feel stillness, but living beings, we're embodying this, this volume that is constantly enfolding upon itself and through itself. And our, our discussions over the, you know, over the years that it took for us to parse these concepts and get them into a language that, that is truly authentically us, you know, and me, it was me generating that manuscript was, was really almost transcribing our conversations, which is why your name is on the cover, Joe. You know, really that that manuscript, you're the, the spiritual midwife of it. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I love yeah. being a spiritual midwife. Yeah. But to yeah. go back to the spirals, what I mm. think you've managed to do is capture the essence of 
the next step. And I think anyone reading Anatomy Trains, read it, enjoy it, learn it. It's so useful. It takes you from bits to bands. But we're now going from bands to bodies. And as you said so beautifully, we're going from the continuity to the continuum. And I'm sorry to say this, but I think it took somebody who was a volume containing a volume called a baby and giving birth to a volume to seek out the experience of volumetric on the madness, whatever we call mm. that. Mm. And we're, we're whether we are yogis, Pilates teachers, movement teachers, or just people going for a walk with the dog, for goodness sake. Once you understand the scapulohumeral rhythm of the shoulder mm. and arm or the pelvofemoral rhythm of the hip mm. and leg, when you understand those, what you've managed to do with your book and I just I'm still awestruck every time I pick it up I go oh my god look at the drawings and the images and the explanations and then the references coming out of you I mean it's just it, it is a phenomenon the book is a phenomenon but it's also a very fast reference for how we translate that on the mat whether we are practitioners or just eager people looking to make sense of our practice and I think it matters and I think what you've done is served everybody with a resource that is bright and accessible. You've pulled in tensegrity, which, after all, in the living body, is the inclusion of Ida and Pingala, tension and compression. So we've shifted from the classical biomechanics that you have learned so thoroughly and that classical anatomy into the contemporary anatomy that is including Ida and Pingala. And then when they can join, we have the spontaneous arising of Sushumna. And that is such an exquisite metaphor and so much older than us and so much a part of the ancient spiritual aspect that I'm so steeped in. That it starts to make sense, not just of the continuity of the body parts with each other, but of the human consciousness growing through experience on through movement, because movement is says we're alive, right? So you've managed to harness all of that. And I know we're already talking, we're not going to say what the title is, but we're already talking about our next book. And I'm stupidly excited about it. <laughs> um, but for now, let's this one is out, and I just want people to buy it, love it, dip in and out of it, and have opportunities to work with you and this rich resource that you give from your experience of parenting, because I think that changed how you presented the book. You made it very oh, real. To just to kind of highlight that point, I've recently done this course with Janet Belaskis. She's this icon in active birth because yeah. through, you know, our, through our study of the, the motion, the bio motion of the body coupled motion and the spirality, the, what, what I've called the five filaments, and what we're working to develop together as the five filaments. We've got hand and shoulder, foot and hip, and then the axial matrix making the five. But in the pelvis, the pelvic kinematics are intrinsically related to birth. And my my first birth, some of you might know, uh, was an unplanned C-section. And I, I fully was planned to have a, an active home birth with my first with Owen and was really, really sad that I didn't get to have that experience. But of course, we all we come to appreciate and accept whatever birth 
happens. We are, you know, reminded of our of, of our privilege and being lucky enough to have the medical care I did have. So, you know, it's I learned a lot from that birth, but it made me even more curious about what the you know the experience of an active birth, what the female pelvis goes through in pregnancy under the influence of relaxin, and how the pelvic kinematics are are so much more mobile during pregnancy and then the birthing process. And I was fortunate enough to have a a, a so-called natural birth. I had a home birth with Fern, our second baby, and was honored and 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 so just so grateful to have that experience to actually feel the movement of the baby through the pelvic canal and actually feel the, that the hip filaments at work, the opening spiral to receive the engagement of Fern's head in my pelvis. And then to feel the grounding spiral as, uh, as she moved her way out of my body, the physical experience of pregnancy and birth tuned me into the, the practicality of the spirals of the five filaments that I wasn't just making something up. However, we were, we were codifying. There was a, there was a kind of a simplification coming to, to understand and recognize how spirality makes its way into and through our tissues and having that, the experience of, of pregnancy and birth. Yeah, it was, it was huge. Drop the mic. I mean, what do I say? Except that I'm very excited to complete this call with this podcast, this episode, this, I love talking to you anyway. I don't need to be online to do that. Mm. Our lovely chat. Um, Of the five filaments, um, the axial matrix, obviously referring hugely to the spine, is something that if anybody wants to have a really valuable taste of Karen's work, they can do that with the Fascia Hub on November the 6th. And you can go to thefashahub.com for more details about that. And Karen is going to be presenting all about the axial matrix, how we see the spine. And one of her many skills is showing the spine using um, virtual cadavers. So we get to see these beautiful three-dimensional pictures, images that Karen is a genius at manipulating. And we had great fun during lockdown, doing our anatomy chats. Mm. And uh, I got to see those skills. And I know that the fascia hub, the fascial spine is the subject of the next program that Jan Trawartha will be hosting. And there will be Karen Kirkness and Laurie Nemitz, Neil Galloway and Lisa Babiak and myself will all be presenting on this fabulous aspect of our anatomy. And also, if you go to karenkirkness.com, you will be able to join in and learn. There's a there's a taster course on the five filaments, and then there's the much more dedicated approach to learning the whole shtick, if that's something that you want to do. And I personally can't recommend it highly enough. And in fact, um, rewriting my teacher training program curriculum to include the five filaments with, with great um with joy i can't even tell you i mean oh another whole world so onwards and upwards everybody so this is um just a way of saying thank you for everything do get a a taste of karen on saturday the 6th of november at the fascia hub and the last but not least 
Her new book, Spiral Bound, is available from handspringpublishing.com. So, Karen, just so that you have the last word, pain removed, performance improved. How is that uh, expressed for you in the spiral motif? As we call you, the queen of chirality. Well, if if it's possible to move in harmony with the tissues, then we can make our movement a kind of therapy. And when we feel good in our bodies, performance is a given. The improvement of performance will be a symptom of feeling good in our bodies. I love that. How about improved performance as a symptom? Wow. Thank you, my darling, as always. It is my pleasure. Thanks so much, Joe. And thanks to everyone who's been listening today. Hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.